Welcome to VancouverTechPodcast.ca for this week of... Monday, November 30th. <laughs> Monday, November 30th. All the way through to December sometime when the weekend. Yeah, seven days from now. or something. Uh-huh. Let's talk about events. Meetups around town. All right, so this past week has been a really amazing one. Um, I kind of thought there wouldn't be a lot of stuff coming up after because it, it kind of had the, the feel of, you know, end of year, a lot of uh, a lot of last of the year meetups like the, the Van Ruby meetup and uh, the upcoming one uh, for Hacker Nest as well. And um, But anyway, uh, we actually got out to quite a few, didn't we? Yeah, Thursday was a busy day. Thursday was pretty amazing. How many meetups did you hit? Uh, three. And I hit week. four because yeah. I also went to that lunch and learn. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty, pretty awesome. So the first, uh, meetup I think I went to last week was the, the last meetup for the Van Ruby, for the Van Ruby community. The lightning talks. The stuff. lightning talks. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been out to the lightning talks? No, no. I was so busy this week. I couldn't like, cause they were all at <laughs> noon, right? I couldn't jump out at noon. I just couldn't, but. So the lightning talks Damn. was actually in the evening. Um, oh right, this was, was the, the evening one, yeah, six p.m. It was it was pretty cool. There were um, there was a good turnout. I don't know, fifty people, sixty people. Yeah. Um, and some of the talks were were really good. There was uh, one that kind of really resonated. Was a, a fun talk on Sonic Pi. Oh yeah, yeah. You're telling me about that. So what's Sonic Pi? Uh, so it looks like it is a um a Ruby DSL for writing music in code. How does it work? Well, like, does have a, it works well, really like the well. Pi doesn't have a speaker, so <laughs> is it just for coding on the Pi? Or you can um, actually play it through a, the Pi? I think it was actually uh, commissioned by the Raspberry Pi team or, yeah. or company, um, and they got a guy to, to, to actually write the program, and he live streams uh, himself practicing every day for a few hours. It's pretty cool. We'll post a link to it. Definitely something worth checking out. Yeah, and then on Wednesday, you hit up designing it better in the browser? Yeah, I went to the Lunch and Learn. Uh, that was Sam Jang from Yellow Pencil. Uh, it was really cool. It was, I think, more geared toward uh, toward front-end and design, mm. um, but definitely a great presentation. Did you learn anything? Because you're not a front-end guy, eh? Um, yeah, I learned that I'm not a front-end guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, definitely a uh, good presentation, worth going to, um, kind of see some interesting thing. Yeah, I dabbled in front-end here and there, right. but I'm not sure. I guess I, I really don't have the... Uh, the desire, I think, mm-hmm. to to work closely with with end customers, and I think that's kind of why yeah. I, I like to. Yeah, it can be a little scary phone. having yeah. someone critique what you've done when yeah. they have no no sort of expertise in the area. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we can move on to the uh, stuff that we went to on Thursday. So this was like all the super busy day. Thursday was uh, actually one of my, um, I think, one of the top events of the week, in my opinion. Anyway, yeah. definitely a, a very useful one. There was a, a lunch and learn talk, uh, building Rails services with JSON API by Mike Martinson uh, of PaySavvy. Mm-hmm. Looks like they're doing some really interesting stuff over there, um, doing some microservices. And Mike's been working with the JSON API for maybe a year now, almost. So since well before 1.0, he said he's you know gone through quite a few of the pain points of growing with a new standard. Um, but now that they've hit 1.0, it's really something worthwhile, worth using. And uh, I actually brought it up in our weekly uh, dev meeting at Mogo, and it's something we'll we'll consider using to solve some problems we might have right now. So we should say that JSONAPI.org is not like a platform as a service; it's a spec, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So you'd, you'd follow their sort of rules, and a lot of people do. Uh, mm-hmm. I have another company that I'm working with, and they follow the rules too. They're, it's, it's really helpful to have this sort of standard that people kind of solve these hard problems for you. Yeah, it almost seems like um, like hearing about it 
it's almost like, oh, doesn't everybody know about this? Yeah. You know, uh, isn't everybody following this? One of those type of things. So definitely something worth checking out, I think. And great talk by Mike. Really well presented. After that, you know, I kind of stumbled into the MoGo open house yeah. <laughs> where I saw you there as well. Yeah. It was one of the events with sushi. With sushi, I actually had yeah. sushi, so I was like, oh my God, <laughs> sushi. I think we had a, a couple pony kegs as well, and we sure went... Uh, yeah, one of them quickly. went dry. I know yeah. that before I left, one of them was dry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so they had to do a beer run, yeah, was which pretty was fun. pretty fun. Um, yeah, it was a really good turnout. Uh, definitely great hosts, I thought. The the main purpose for that was uh, recruiting. I think Mogo's looking for some front-end devs, QA, and... A couple other things, I'm not too sure about. I'm guessing they have stuff on the Mogo site for careers and stuff if they really wanted to see. Yeah, they definitely do. And I think we got a lot of resumes from that. But if anybody's interested, you know, check out the career site uh, or hit me up. Yeah. Also, uh, after that, that, oh, I had probably the hardest decision yeah. of the week, I think, as well. Uh, something, James, you actually linked to me. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, this is the uh, deployment methodologies with Amazon Web Services. And that was at, actually at the UBC Robson Square, the downtown one. Mm -hmm. um, you know where how you go down the stairs and there's like a rink under there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is like, I've never been there. I never went down there, but then I went uh -huh. down there. I was like, oh, there's actually like a whole school down here. Yeah, I've been <laughs> ice skating there, but I haven't actually yeah. been inside uh, the UBC cool. campus. Yeah, it was, an, mm -hmm. it was a pretty nice little meetup. There was probably like maybe 20 people there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it was really interesting. Like, I'm I don't use AWS for for work. I use DigitalOcean, but it was oh, interesting nice. to see some of the reasons that I could, some of the ways I could use like Elastic Beanstalk. Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that Elastic Beanstalk mm -hmm. was a competitor like Heroku. Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that. Um, so people probably that look at the Amazon services, they see like, oh my god, this is overwhelming. Like, there's a lot. There's of stuff. so much stuff, and I I feel like every time I log into the console, there's yeah. like ten new things that I haven't. Yeah, seen they have before. an IoT thing now, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, like yeah, there's beta yeah. services you can see. Yeah. Because I went and checked it out because I know that there's a if you sign up, you get a free year, mm -hmm. so you can sign up and use the free tier just to like dibble dabble. And so I got the EB tool for Elastic Beanstalk, and I was playing around with it. I was like, oh, this actually is really interesting because we use Git. Mm -hmm. um, Git hooks right. to like move stuff around after we push to our server. Mm -hmm. And so this is like the same thing, but it's automatic. I don't have to worry about like writing a script. Right. And I was like, oh man, that's so nice. And uh, something that I know that you guys are working on or thinking about for Mogo was the whole mm -hmm. um, like burning servers. Did you mm -hmm. ever, have you ever heard of 12 factor? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely 12 factor. So that's... he was talking about the blue green um, mm -hmm. methodology where you right. have, you're just toggling between two different servers. Mm -hmm. So you have a load balancer up front that gets mm -hmm. all your traffic. Mm -hmm. And when you have a new release, you slowly push that traffic over. So one of the cool things about AWS is you can actually do like um, rolling pushovers for these for right. these requests. Right. So you might have, let's say you have 100%, mm -hmm. you can slowly move 10% over, then 20% mm -hmm. over, then 30% over. And you're actually just switching the load dynamically mm -hmm. from one server to another. Right. I was like, wow, that's really sweet. I didn't even realize that that was, they say it's like checkbox. Uh -huh. stuff yeah it's it for for me um that's something we've been setting up uh and the rolling updates you know as long as you have a uh, load balanced uh ecs cluster you can definitely do it it's it's a little bit more of a rabbit hole than yeah. you might imagine if you're not super familiar with some of the networking stuff. Yeah, because he had um, this huge diagram and each one has its mm -hmm. own service. There was probably like 10 services <laughs> yeah. on there and yeah. they're all connected in some way. Yeah. And it's like, oh man. That's... But he explained it really well and there was a bunch of really cool guys I was talking to there. Yes. It was really fun. There yeah, was, really, uh, cool. There's, really cool. That's something I'm trying to, trying to detail and extract the concepts enough that uh, I'll be able to build something out on the free tier and hopefully do a talk sometime next year on that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, but anyway, I, I, I happened to miss that one, which I For really wanted one? to go to. Uh, I ended up going to the Docker meetup, which was pretty cool as well. There yeah. were, I mean, I had some mixed reviews from the community on it. Basically, it was some guys talking about some Bash scripts uh, that they built 
you know, when you go, you show up as a, say you're a new dev, first right. day on the job, you know, you install this bash script, run two, three commands, boom, you're all set up and ready to go with your Dockerized containers, everything running. That sounds pretty sweet. And you're right in, yeah, I thought it was amazing. Like it's something like we have, we have our microservices running, you know, in containers and sometimes we need to onboard people or recently we want, you know, we, we might have a new version of the product and we want to demo it to the product manager um, or we might have to install it on their machine. And that can take an hour, two hours, you know, and that's if we already know exactly what we're doing. So having a tool like that, I think would be uh, a really good asset. And it sounds like a lot of people around town are facing similar things where we're all doing microservices, Docker and, mm -hmm. you know, AWS and or, or something along those lines. Yeah. And so I think it would be a good tool to have. And they said they were going to open source it uh, eventually. <laughs> so and that would be on whose whose GitHub would open source that? Uh, so right now or, they're, where they, they were on Bitbucket. I but they could search but I'll have for that it. posted. Yeah, well, I'll post the link for the the meetup so we can find Definitely. out. Definitely, we might actually uh, we might actually have them uh, on the show at a later date. That'd be really sweet. when they when they are actually ready to open source. But the mixed reviews were some people were like, you know, it wasn't really so much about Docker. It was more like, hey, look at this cool bash thing I wrote. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's still like I still I still liked it. Yeah. I'm also a pretty big bash fan. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I just said I use Git hooks for a lot of our stuff, so they're all shell, just shell scripts that mm -hmm. run. So it's always nice to learn little tricks. And there's so many different things you can do with bash scripts that you'd never even know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like all these hidden things. But yeah, so I skipped. Uh, I skipped the last one. I had a phone call at five thirty in the morning. Yeah, you'd you actually um, you'd brought this up, and I was like, you know, I usually avoid things with startup in the name, but yeah. I ended up going out to the startup drinks. And that was actually pretty cool. I yeah. met some great people and yeah. uh, some of them even developers. <laughs> yeah, it's a good mix there. Mm -hmm. Did you meet any people that were sort of that you'd seen before? Because there is a lot of crossover between like startup mm -hmm. drinks and, you know, I've seen people from HackerNest and startup drinks, same same people, same Yeah, same um, it's funny you say that because uh, I mentioned that I was going there at the Docker meetup and then a couple other people also showed up from that, that meetup. I don't know if they were going to go there anyway. Oh, so you converted some people. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. yeah. But it was pretty fun. And uh, there was also a guy there. Uh, they've got an interesting new product coming out. that I think they're just doing beta testing on iOS at the moment. But it's um, Pocket something. Pocket Social. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, it looks like an interesting app. If you've got an iOS device, take a look. The way I think that he was, uh, was talking about it, it sounded kind of like your grandma's on meetup.com. Welcome to Pocket Social change in the future oh i see <laughs> that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah let's talk about future events surprisingly for me i thought you know this last week felt like end of the year that's it for me yeah. that's in general there's nothing left nothing gonna happen over the holidays but there's a ton of stuff coming up let's go with uh, the data science social so you found this one yeah so uh, the data science or well, i say data so Bear oh, with data. Me. The data science. So you're paying parents. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I think you're you're probably right. I'm probably right. <laughs> We're all good on that. Uh, so the the data science social that's happening on Monday, and that should be pretty cool. It's at the St. Regis, um, same place that a lot of the polyglot socials are held. You go down, you have some beer. So it starts at six. If anybody is interested, and in, you know, going to Hackernest meetup that's at eight on the same night or that social at six. Well, you can go there and get your pre-drink on. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, it's only a, a block away to, to Hackernest as well. So yeah. I think you could probably hit up both and it'll, it'll probably be good. I haven't been out to the, the data science social. So I'm not sure what the crew's like, but reading their uh, their meetup page sounds pretty good. Yeah, that rolls right into Hackernest at eight. 
It Same sure day. Is. Yeah, so we're having that at uh, Mogo. This is the the last one of the year. Kind of should be a lot of fun. Black Kettle Brewing, the North Shore uh, Brewing Company. They're coming out and going to be serving some of their craft beer for us. So should be great. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, looking forward to it. Then on Tuesday is the Polyglot Social. So I went to the one, the previous one. Mm-hmm. And so this one's actually at the St. Regis as well, like Drew was saying. Mm-hmm. Right. 608, 608 Dunsmere. Dunsmere. Right. Pretty much on the corner of uh, Granville and Dunsmere. So do you know the difference between this? Well, the hack night is like bring your computer. And the social was? The social would be, uh, you know, have talks over beer. Okay, you know, cool. Related to uh, what you'd normally have on, I guess. I've only, I've actually, uh, I've been out there, I've been to the Polyglot Social a couple of times, and it was usually closer to the end of the night after most people had gone home, except for maybe the hardcores. Right. So, uh, definitely a fun group of people. Cool. Yeah. And we've got, on the same night, Tuesday, the Public Cloud User Group. So this is something I've been involved in as well, um, more as the uh, the beer master for the event, kind right. of curating fine, fine brews. I'll be looking forward to this. This is also really well organized, I think. Um, Matt does a great job of getting relevant speakers in the cloud community and having, it's kind of a monthly what's what in the cloud. If you missed anything this month and you did, then there's the place to go. Okay, so these guys uh, will catch you up. Absolutely. And this one is a very well curated cloud-based things that are going on. The theme is uh, DevOps for cloud. So something a lot of us have, it's been been an ongoing theme lately and uh, looks awesome. That's going to be at Code Core, 142 West Hastings Street, Tuesday at 6 p.m. Cool. Wishpond Open House, end of the year edition. Oh my, it's already that time, huh? Yeah, shutting so, down the town at Wash Pond. So I guess we know where we're going to be this coming Friday. Yeah, Friday, <laughs> summer 4. 5.30 to 8.30, bring a friend, should be fun. Yeah, it's always really fun. There's no real like schedule, so it's like sort of all comers. So I know we've talked about this before. It's uh, We've had Jason, the, the person who organizes it over there, on our show as well. But for people who don't know, what's Wishpond? What's the Wishpond Open House? So Wishpond is a, they have a marketing tool for companies that are t- t- trying to do like analytics or sort of uh, advertising and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And they have this open house just to sort of get involved with the community, you know, drum up all this goodwill, I guess. What kind of uh, people show up? All kinds, actually. And the Wishpond team will be there, too. So mm-hmm. if you were looking for a job, you could chat to the Wishpond people. They would, you know, they're pretty friendly. Mm-hmm. If you were just wanting to socialize with other people, it's great. They always have food and, and drinks there, so that's always nice. Yeah, I find it to be a pretty uh, a pretty good mix of people yeah. in and around the tech scene and uh, a great, fun group of people to hang out with for the night. So. Pretty good crossover with Hackerness, too. Yeah, I think so. All right, so then after that, we have Open Coffee. What's that all about? Open coffee, the one I can never get to. Oh, yeah. that's the 8 a.m. Yeah, one. one. Oh, we got to go and check that out sometime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anyone's been there, I'd like to know what it's like. I mean, yeah, I can. I've, I'm always spying on the meetup just to see if people post stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I'm paying attention. I just never go. So that's let's just my make bad. an effort this week. Yeah. All right, we'll have something on that. Uh, so fireside chat with Chris Newman. Yeah, this one was interesting. I found mm-hmm. this like last minute today, mm-hmm. and it was um. So Chris Newman is the chief product officer at, and and he's also the founder of Data Hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, Data Hero actually does analytics and graphs for your analytics. So you might have an um, some sort of um, you know data that you want to visualize or show in a pleasing way, mm-hmm. and they make that really easy with their application. Cool. And they're actually having a meetup for for Chris to to talk about this, how they do this, how they make this work. Right. So this is interesting. It's actually a uh, afternoon event on Wednesday from two p.m. to three p.m. So. I'm kind of split on that, but personally, I think I really like that. I really like the idea of having it, you know, it's 
definitely something that people who are interested in this type of stuff should be able to go and take an hour off of work to go and do something that is probably work related because you'll probably be learning something that you could apply immediately. Yeah, which company doesn't have like a ton of analytics that are displayed in a disgusting way? <laughs> so then you could fix that with with this tool. Yeah. Uh, this one, it does have an RSVP. So you should RSVP if you're going to go. Uh -huh. And that's on Picatick. Picatick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, one of the cool things I have here is that Data Here actually had a Series A funding round and they closed 6.1 million from Foundry Group. So that's pretty sweet too. Oh, sweet. So nice. if you want to meet a potential millionaire, there's your chance as well. Um, <laughs> and that that's going to be at Launch Academy? Yeah. Uh, 300, 128 West Hastings, Wednesday, December 9th from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. So Launch Academy is the one near Lighthouse Labs, right? Uh, Lighthouse Labs is inside of Launch Academy. Okay. Yeah. So if you've been to Lighthouse, if you've been to Lighthouse Labs before, then you'll know where that is. Nice. And we have uh, the Hour of Code coming up December 7th through the 13th. What's that all about, James? So Hour of Code is a initiative for you know new new people that are new to code and, and younger students that are looking to get into it. And this is actually an event that's like 33 different venues across, well, at least Vancouver. They're, they're all over the world. Mm -hmm. But the point is that from December 7th to December 13th, you can join one of these little groups and learn about code and, and learn what that takes. Yeah, I've actually signed up uh, to volunteer to go to um, to go and help out. And I was contacted by a couple of teachers. Um, so I'll be going to help out with Hour of Code for a group of 30 second graders. That yeah, so they're, they're one-hour <laughs> tutorials and they have 40 different languages. No experience needed. And we already said this, but ages 4 to 104. So if so, you're 105, yeah. you're out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, uh, I found this interesting thing. Um, I'm not sure if I really should be going since I'm not really looking for a job. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but SAP hiring open house and cool. they're hiring cloud engineers. Might be a really good chance to to check out the SAP office, which is uh, 910 Mainland Street, Vancouver, uh, and see what they're doing and see what type of stuff they're working on. Cloud engineering, I think, is a, a really fun and interesting field and place to be. And I'd really like to just go and check it out. So that's December 1st from 5 to 8 p.m. at uh, at SAP offices at 910 Mainland Street. So they have an Eventbrite sign up and we'll have that posted as well. Um, but make sure to sign up and maybe see you there. Intro to visual design. Yeah, so that looks pretty interesting. There's uh, BrainStation, one of the uh, the new and upcoming boot camps in the Yale Town area. Uh, we had a hacker nest there, and they, that's actually where we met. Yeah, it, James. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, they have a great a great area or a great. Uh, they have a hip Yale Town office. That's that's the word. Hip yeah, Yale lots Town of brick, office. lots of glass. Definitely, and uh, so they have a cool intro to visual design workshop that's free, uh, and that's. Also happening on Tuesday, December 1st. It's from 6 p.m. You can sign up, I think, right through their website. So we'll have that posted too. DevFest, Google Cloud Technologies. So it's not happening this week. It's or next week, right? Yeah, 12 to 13. 12 to 13. But I just wanted to give a bit of a heads up because it may end up selling out. It's $90 for a two-day weekend workshop, uh, and it's at Hootsuite. So I was kind of split with my decision on this, but then mm -hmm. I thought, you know what? I'll go out and check it out. I've had some kind of mixed experiences with going out to some of these bigger workshops. And, you know, one of them, I think the one of the worst experiences, yeah. I guess, it wasn't like horrible or anything, but you just had a bunch of people and the guy's like, hey, here's some docs, read them. Oh, yeah. that's a bit sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I've had some really good experiences with it as well. I think it was uh, Brian Dorsett from Google Cloud. Uh, the Google Compute Engine came yeah. out and was, you know, did a workshop on Kubernetes. And that was awesome. 
Yeah, Kubernetes is one of those things that I can't figure out what if it, if it's good for me or not. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cool name. I like the name. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's actually devfest.ca, and like you mm -hmm. said, there's $90 for a two-day weekend pass, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, for this workshop. Yeah, so it's also it would be devoting a uh, full day, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, that's cool, and that's at the Hootsuite HQ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been there. It's a pretty sweet place. They actually have a bunch of uh, offices around town, but this is the one that's on East 8th Avenue, which is really sweet. That's the one. And it looks like that's most of the events that are coming up. Uh, we didn't mention that last night we actually went to a really cool open house, I thought. Do you remember where that was, James? Really cool open house. At Foodie. Oh, right. Yeah, I have it up here. I just missed it completely. Yeah, the people over there were yeah. great. There was a really warm, friendly atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, seemed like a pretty cool place to work. And they had some great food. Great uh, beer as well. Yeah. yeah, it was it was awesome. They have a really unique space too. They have like a house, mm -hmm. and there I said to Kaz, one of the guys we met there, that they're the only ones that have a lawn. Mm -hmm. They're the only startup that has a lawn. Yeah, the only startup <laughs> with the lawn. Yeah, a pretty cool area. It looks like yeah. a great group of people to yeah, work with. Yeah, it was with, really fun. And uh, definitely had that fun sort of startup feel. That uh, yeah, they had this crazy foosball tournament. Oh, one of the reasons oh, we missed right. this one was because it happened. It was announced the middle of the week mm -hmm. or like right at the beginning. So it just kind of we missed it for the show. But but we both ended up going there. Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> know that you were going, and we were both like, hey. What are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. Then so we both went. That was fun. Neither of us played foosball, though. We just went there for the drinks. And, and for the conversation. Oh, yeah, for the conversation, know, it was, yeah. It was awesome. I, I got some stickers, so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. All right, and that's it for events this week. As part of our ongoing series in the Changing Face of Education in Tech, we're here with Alex Taylor, a current student at CodeCore's full-time coding boot camp. Uh, we'll have students and also representatives from each of the four current boot camps in Vancouver. Those are CodeCore, Lighthouse Labs, Brain Station, and also Red Academy. Uh, so hopefully we'll have some current students from each of those and a, a representative from each of them come out within the next month. Uh, and we'll do a follow-up a year later to see where are they now. So Alex, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, all right, so we want to get a little bit of a sense of who you are as a person, what your background's like, what motivated you to uh, to take the boot camp, and uh, what sort of experience you had before. So let's start a little bit where you're from. Yeah, so I'm from uh, Victoria, BC, so not too much of a hop away from here. Nice. I went to high school there, and then I came over to Vancouver for university. Oh, sweet. So okay. what did you uh, what did you study in university? I took film, actually. Film, <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, I have a Bachelor in Fine Arts from SFU. From SFU, yeah. Cool. I took the film major program, so it's a four-year program, kind of similar to the boot camp, actually, but over four years. You kind of, you're with the same people pretty much the whole time. You're making films over and over and learning about the entire filmmaking process. That sounds pretty cool. And uh, from what I've heard, at least, Vancouver has uh, quite the film industry going. Um, what, was the, what was behind the decision to take the boot camp and not pursue something uh, in film? Yeah, so I've been, I graduated in 2007, and basically since then I was working for a post-production company in town. Um, we did uh, film mastering uh, for feature films, and that was a lot of fun. I had a, a really good time there, um, but I also got laid off recently. Oh, okay. Things were kind of a bit, getting a bit slow, and uh, I was also kind of leading up to that, I was starting to do more development at, uh, at the company that I was working for. So you okay. always had that development background? Yeah, I've always kind of... It's always kind of been, I've never had any professional training in it until now, but it's always been something I've been interested in and poking around with. So I actually used to do some basic web design in, at the start of university with just HTML and CSS, just static websites. And I've been doing programming here and there, but like I said, never really taking it 
taking it too seriously until now. So my main motivation was, yeah, I decided finally I really want to get into this as a career, and I think a boot camp would be a great way to get a sense for what it would be like to actually do this full time. Sounds pretty fun. Um, so the the film industry, again, if I if I understand correctly, uh, it seems very contract based, and uh, anybody could get laid off any time. Um, it doesn't seem nearly as secure as some of the the jobs in tech do. Uh, was that some of the motivation behind it, or? Well, I was actually in a fairly unique position in Vancouver because, like you said, most people in film are on contracts, so they'll go from one job to another, but. I was actually working for a company that had people on salary, so I was on salary, and uh, we were we did really well for quite a long time. But you know, eventually, I think the uh, the boom and bust cycle catches up to you. So it was nice to have that experience, and I definitely do still love film. And I think if I could maybe eventually combine those interests again, web development and filmmaking, that would be a thing I'd be interested in. So did you did you bounce around before you went from the the old job you had to the code school or did you actually have something in between? I had one weekend in between. Oh yeah? That was <laughs> yeah. that quick? Yeah. I I knew I was getting laid off. We kind of we kind of had a had a talk about it at work uh about a month before saying, you know, we had a big meeting saying, you know, things are going slow, we might need to make some changes. After that meeting I went to the CodeCore website because I'd heard about it from the Ruby meetups, which I'd been to a couple times in the summer. And I had seen the boot camp, but I had discounted ever being able to do it because it's a two-month full-time thing. I didn't, I couldn't take that time off work. But as soon as I heard I was being laid off, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna look into this." <laughs> so that's pretty interesting. If you'd heard about it uh, about CodeCore through the the Ruby meetup, it sounds like you must have had some Ruby experience. Yeah, I actually started learning Ruby for work. I wanted to do some projects uh, in Rails, actually, changing a couple of database applications that I had made in FileMaker migrating those into Ruby on Rails. So I started trying to learn on my own bits and pieces of Ruby and Rails while I was working. But What sort of resources did you use to learn? I, I think the best resource I found for Rails was the book by Michael Hartle, Rail, just called Rails Tutorial, I think, mm -hmm. where you basically build a Twitter from the ground up and you learn TDD and you learn Git and everything from the get-go. From the get go, <laughs> <laughs> so you already you were, so you were using Git, you were using tests, you were using you know Rails already before you even started. Yeah. So yeah, you must your your first couple of weeks must have been pretty easy for you then. They were good. They were a good kind of uh, review in a way. But I think one thing I found was that trying to learn on your own, especially a subject as complicated as Rails, is really pretty hard. Like there's lots of good online tutorials and you can bounce around and learn different things. But I think it's very hard coming in to get a sense of the you know what order you should learn things in and being able to really have a full understanding of it without being having TAs and teachers around to fill that knowledge in for you. So I always felt and this kind of extends to everything I've done in development until now, which is I always kind of felt like I had this imposter syndrome where I knew a bit of this and a bit of that, but I didn't feel confident enough to call myself a developer and to go out and say, I can do this because... Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. I mean, you'll hear uh, from the experienced developers, Rails is really easy to pick up and nothing. But if it's your first time learning the concepts, the actual concepts of development, then yeah, there's a lot to learn on your own. And I can definitely... Uh, I can definitely feel them feels when it comes to being, uh, you know, or having that imposter syndrome. So uh, how do you feel now? You're in week, what, five, is it? Week six. Week six. Just started week six, yeah. And we're actually doing our, our group project right now, which is over the weekend. So so what is, that? what is that group project? Could you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so it's basically, you know, at this point, we're all 
pretty comfortable, hopefully, with all the big concepts that we've learned. And so now it's time to put it into practice in a big collaborative environment that kind of the idea is to simulate what it would be like in the workplace. So you're using a lot of Git to do pull requests and code reviews and merging and rebasing and all that. And and a lot of force pushes to master. Yeah, I, I imagine <laughs> there'll be a lot of that too. Or Git commit amend yeah. just because you missed something. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of that. But yeah, so we're doing, we basically were given wireframes for an app and uh, our instructor, Tam, walked us through, you know, here's all the features I want. Uh, here's generally how it should work. Are you able to tell us a little bit about that app or is it uh, classified info? I feel like, I don't know if I should because maybe if he wants to use it in the next boot camp, then uh, somebody might get a leg up. <laughs> oh, you don't want to stomp on his, uh, on his idea there. Yeah. I think, I think they usually try and do uh, actually useful things for the CodeCore community, uh, yeah. and so they change it up every okay. time, as far yeah. as I'm aware anyway. Uh, the events.codecore.ca site was one of them. Right, that's right. Yeah, okay, so we're doing, we're basically doing kind of a drills, uh, CodeCore drills site where you can go on and if you need practice in a specific area, like let's say Ruby arrays or Rails routes, you can go on and see a list of the drills and practice you can submit an answer and it'll check to see if it's correct so kind of a code wars code academy thing cool. that sounds pretty cool yeah all right um so i guess you've talked a little bit about about why you wanted to take the boot camp so six weeks in do you feel comfortable calling yourself a developer i sure do <laughs> i think the biggest the the biggest thing that i've gotten from this so far is just filling in those gaps of my knowledge and mm -hmm. just becoming yeah just becoming more confident and i've learned a ton there's you know, I, I really only scratched the surface when I was learning on my own about everything to do with Rails and Ruby. And uh, yeah, just getting that foundation has really helped. Nice. So that's pretty cool. So we're, um, we're planning on doing a follow-up in about a year's time. Where do you picture yourself being? Probably back in the studio. Back in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that, though, I think uh, I definitely, you know, when I first started taking the boot camp, I was still kind of questioning, I'll, I'll see if I like this. Uh, if I want to get into this full time, I think by the end of week one, I was already convinced that I was going to, after this, go into de web development uh, after I finished the boot camp. So my plan after this is to hopefully find a job as hopefully a full stack developer in some in a web shop somewhere. I think I'd like to go for a smaller company because I, I came from a small company and we had a really tight team. And I think I'll be friends with some of those people for the rest of my life. So I really like small, you know loyal teams where you can really feed off each other's energy and learn from each other. Are you more interested in apps and products or like websites and web applications that would be more rolling clients facing stuff? Yeah, that's something I've thought about too, right? Because you can do the web agency thing where you're doing client projects or you can do a software as a service type, uh, type deal. I haven't really decided yet. I think there's pros and cons to both. I kind of, I come from a client focused model. So, you know, Every couple of months, you're working on something different. I think that's kind of cool, but I think it would also be cool to focus on one thing and just keep improving it over time. Have you had any uh, technical interviews yet? No, not one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you heard anything about technical interviews, and what are you doing to kind of prepare yourself for them? Yeah, we actually had a really good talk earlier this week as part of the Lunch and Learns that CodeCore hosts. Mm -hmm. um, I think his name was Eric Brook, came in and talked about surviving the technical interview, mm -hmm. gave us a lot of good tips. It was very sobering because it's, you know, a lot of knowledge you need to keep in your head and, uh, you know, be able to sit down with some senior programmer at a firm and make them see that you know what you're doing. So mm -hmm. I think to prepare myself, uh, 
right now I'm really just focusing on continuing to learn all the stuff we're learning and starting to think about my final project. But mm -hmm. I was kind of planning on going back and looking at some of the interview assignments we were given, which were which are typical questions that might come up, like, you know, do a fizz buzz and mm -hmm. find an algorithm to sort this array and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just kind of getting used to those, you know, questions that might trip you up and or take you a little while to work out. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. Um, personally, I've been to, to a few technical interviews, uh, had a few jobs. And um, if I could give advice to anyone taking or going through interviews and having these technical interviews, it would be that uh, if the process is painful, if you feel uncomfortable at any time during it, you probably don't want to work with those people. If they come in and ask you some strange riddle to see your creativity, what are they actually asking? You know, I've... I've had uh, the past two jobs that I've had, I enjoyed almost every moment of the interview process. Uh, I really got to know the people I was working with, and we got to talk a lot about some pretty cool things. And I, I got coding challenges that I didn't have to do on the spot when I was you know, nervous or whatever um, that I could take home that really made me feel excited about what I was doing. And I think we're, we're well thought out. So for me, I really enjoy that team. What are you kind of looking for in a team? What sort of what sort of environment do you think would be an ideal one for you to be in? Yeah, like I said, I really like small teams and especially coming into a new field where I'm sure as soon as I get into the real world, I'll realize all this stuff that I don't know. <laughs> um, so I think being in an environment where people are really supportive and willing to continue teaching me and mentoring me, I think would be really valuable. You've had like this, you know, film background and then you switch to this code background. If there's something you could go back a couple of years and sort of tell yourself or warn yourself about what what would you think what, what could you think of that would sort of fit uh, in that category? Yeah, probably that I would probably tell myself that I've been a closet developer this whole <laughs> oh, yeah. time and maybe I should have uh not to discount the the film stuff I've done. I I really love that and like I said, I'm I'm still kind of I still have a place in my heart for the film industry, but I think it's taken me, since I've been around programming for a long time, I think it's taken me quite a while to kind of come to this realization that this is really what I what I really want to do and what I get most excited about. So maybe pushing myself a bit more in that direction a couple of years ago might have been something I would have been uh, interested in. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, Alex. Uh, we're really me. looking forward to watching your career develop and uh, catching up with you in a year. Yeah, sounds good. See you guys then. As part of our ongoing series in The Changing Face of Education in Tech, we're here with our special guest today, uh, Jade Tong from CodeCore's full-time bootcamp. Hi. Hi, Jade. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, so we want to get a little bit of a sense, uh, kind of, who is Jade? Uh, what's your background like? You know, what have you been doing and what motivated you to do the bootcamp? Um, so we'll kind of start with that. Uh, where are you from, Jade? Well, I'm from Richmond, BC. So I grew up in Richmond, went to school, went to UBC, um, graduated, got my master's, went to Calgary for a year, moved back, and now I'm in Burnaby. Wow. Okay. So that <laughs> sounds pretty cool, but all um, pretty pretty local places. I mean, Calgary is a little yeah. far, but uh, what were you doing out in Calgary? Oh, I was working. I was working as a research technician in a multiple sclerosis lab. Mm -hmm. So it was just a one-year experiment to see how things were like out there. Yeah. It was interesting. It was really cold. I came back. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't handle the cold? 
It was cold and dry. It was just minus forty with wind chill. Wow. Okay. So、uh, tell us a little bit about your education. You said you have a master's. Yeah. So I have a bachelor of science degree in cell biology and genetics, and then right after that, I went and did my master's in neuroscience. It was a very short two-year stint, and yeah, I worked in research for a bit, and then went and like worked at the Vancouver Community College, and now I'm here. Wow, sounds like a pretty interesting educational background, and it looks like you were kind of more in the in the science and research area before. Whereas now you're you're taking the boot camp.、Um, what was the what's the motivation for taking a, a programming boot camp? I think it really stems from 2012 when Coursera first came out, because、mm-hmm. I went on there, and this course still sticks in my mind. It was um interactive programming in Python,、mm-hmm. and it was like a six to eight week course, and we basically went and created a game every single week,、mm-hmm. and the final project was a game we called Rice Rocks, which is basically asteroids, and it was like. It was really cool, and so after I after I finished that course, I started looking on Cold Wars and Project Euler and doing stuff like that. But it never really clicked to pursue a career in programming because I thought to go through all of the you know the computer science degree, the education, until um actually the VPL came out with their website on like code development and stuff, and I was talking to a coworker and her husband actually was a software developer. And now hires for a company, and I was like, "Can I get an informational interview?" And he was the one that was like, "You know, you've got a lot of this, but you're at the point now where you like you can't do this on your own. You need like you need someone to teach you all the background that you don't have because that's what's holding you back." So I was like, "Okay, well, what's in town?" And here I am. <laughs> that's pretty interesting. So、um, you're now in week six. Week is six. It? Just finished. Week six, finishing, starting around there. Okay. <laughs>、um, and how do you feel? So there's a there's a lot of stuff in a computer development and software programming background that that definitely entails a lot of stuff. Week six, how do you feel?、Um, I feel tired, but I also feel like really really happy.、Mm-hmm. It's like like even you know after right after a midterm, it's like you're exhausted, but. I'm sort of like it feels right, like it feels I I feel okay、mm-hmm. with the degree of tiredness. It's like okay, I need to get more sleep and I need to understand this, but I feel okay doing that. Do you feel like that computer science background is kind of being filled in? It is. It's sort of. I feel like it's filled in when I ask questions, because I do understand that there's a lot of stuff that like cannot be taught in an eight-week course. <sighs> But when you do ask questions, and so like sometimes you get confused with certain concepts, so you bring it up, then our instructor clarifies that oh no, this actually belongs to this concept. They're very similar, but it's a very different method. And so it's sort of filled in as long as you know the questions to ask. I feel okay. Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. There's a lot of different boot camps. Well, not a lot, but there are four boot camps right now in Vancouver. Um, how did you go about choosing? Well, when I was researching it, there were only three boot camps,、mm-hmm. and I went and visited each one.、Um, Red Academy was very much more front end, and I sat in on some of their event classes, and it was like I get this stuff, and it doesn't really speak to me.、Mm-hmm. So that I went to Cold Core and Lighthouse. And Lighthouse was—it was very busy. It was a very nice office, but Cold Core, like the style of it, just kind of spoke to me more.、Mm-hmm. The the students at Cold Core all seemed to be sort of like 
the major when I visited, the majority of them seemed to be, you know, like older, coming from very different backgrounds. And when I chatted with them, like we just kind of, I felt like I clicked at Codecore more. So you felt that just Codecore had a better fit for you personally? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty pretty cool. So um, it sounds like you were looking to fill in the gaps and kind of get that cop side background. Was there anything else you were hoping for from the boot camp? To teach me how to code. To teach you how to code. <laughs> get a sweet job. That too. Okay. Uh, so have you had um, have you had any technical sort of interviews before? No, no, I haven't. What are you expecting? What are you looking for? How are you trying to prepare for that? Well, from a guest speaker that we've had, um, as soon as this bootcamp is finished, I intend to be going through a lot of the interview questions, thinking more about practicing, um, like, problems on Cold Wars and Project Oil or maybe. Um, also definitely looking into some of the, like, what is a bubble sort that he mentioned. Things that apparently interviewers will ask that I've never even thought about or have, you know, vaguely heard, but don't know very much about, like architecture or like even security for a web developer. Sounds pretty interesting. Um, so as you know, we're, uh, as part of our Changing Face of Education in Tech series, we're interviewing people who are currently students uh, at the different boot camps, and uh, we hope to catch up with them again in a year's time and kind of see how they're doing. Where do you see yourself a year from now? Hopefully working in Vancouver at a software company or a web development company. Do you have any sort of preference with what sort of team you'd like to be working with or projects you'd like to be working on? So right now, I don't know if I want to be working in a small or a big team. If I were to work for a big team, I would sort of want it to be structured more like a, a smaller team where there's like clear lines of like, who do you go to when you have a question, when you need help? Who are the people that like you can ask I guess like it's really going to come down to an issue of like fit. Do I feel comfortable here? Do I feel comfortable asking these questions or do I feel stupid asking these questions? So you want to find a team that can help you improve yourself. That yes. That's a good that's a good sort of goal to have. What do you see as uh some of the the differences in large versus small teams or companies? So my impression so far is that in a large team, things are going to move a lot slower. There's going to be a lot more code conflicts. There's going to be a lot more meetings where you decide on what's going to happen. There might even be a lot more, like you might even, you know, progress and then have to go back because something changed or something like that someone else was working on now doesn't match with the current code. Whereas I, so that's my impression of what it would be like in a big team environment. In a small team environment, I feel like you would go through all of those things, but it would happen over a much shorter period of time. So it will be a, a much steeper learning curve, but you'll also make progress a lot faster, I think. Okay, so you mentioned um, when you went to one of the academies, they, they seemed to be more front-end focused and you thought, you know, it, it didn't really resonate with you as much. Have you given any thought to which level of the stack you'd like to work on? Do you want to focus more back-end or front-end or maybe full stack? Probably back-end. It's like we've been doing JavaScript and I like JavaScript like so far. It's the HTML and the CSS that I really don't like. The mix has got me really excited. But <laughs> yeah, and that's really like sort of like back end for front end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you're talking about the SAS mix-ins? Yes. Like I do have a bunch of front end work and I use all these different tools to like sort of, you know, quote unquote cheat and make things faster and easier. And SAS is one and like, you know, using partials and templates and stuff. So, you know, you can kind of cheat a little bit. With that. <laughs> okay. So going forward, uh, coming out of the boot camp, um, obviously you'll be 
doing some interview prep and things like that. What sort of uh, what sort of hurdles do you expect to face? Well, I guess a part of it is really remembering everything I've been taught and knowing which areas that different interviewers are asking that I'm lacking in my knowledge base. Those are really the biggest things. Um, I think personally, there's also going to be the whole like, it's okay to not know the answer. You can always find it out. And for me, like that's actually one of the biggest takeaways from the bootcamp is that it's okay that you don't know the answer because you can ask a TA and they might not know the answer, but they'll know how to find it. And you look at what they do to find it. You're like, I can Google that. <laughs> so, that, yeah, I think that's going to be one of the things that I'll have to work on and grow more confident in as well. So are you looking forward to interviewing or does it seem like something that uh, you might be nervous to do? I'm nervous, but I am looking forward to it because it's the next step. Once you finish the boot camp, I don't really hope I would have to repeat it. <laughs> so like the next step to, is to move forward and interview and get a job because you can't get a job without an interview. <laughs> do you think now with your background and your education from university, do you think you're going to try to find something that might actually combine both of them together? You know, your science background as well as your now development background. So that's interesting. That's actually been pitched to me a fair bit because people have said to me, well, you understand how scientists need things done. And you have a bit of a background in Python, which is like big in uh, scientists who use it to crunch their mm -hmm. data. It's up in the air. It's sort of the whole, like, it would be interesting to go back in that field. I'm not sure if I want to just be working with data and manipulating it because there are aspects of moving on from that that I'm interested in as well. So if the opportunity came up, I would like to try it out. But if it doesn't, I feel completely okay going in a different direction as well. All right, Jay Tong, it's been really great having you on the show and we're really looking forward to seeing where you are in a year from now. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for listening to another episode of VancouverTechPodcast.ca. That's our site. You can actually email us too at show at VancouverTechPodcast.ca. Or find us in the YVR Dev Slack. I'm at Drew. I'm at James. We're almost always online. You can actually get an invite to YVR Dev Slack if you haven't got one already at yvrdev.herokuapp.com. See you there. Bye.